leave this open. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, hymn 716, uh, Hans Adolf Brorsen uh, wrote this in the 1700s uh, and translated uh, for us into English. Um, I'm very thankful that the Lord gave me a wife who helped me understand hymns and poetry. I liked to sing when I was in grade school and high school. Um, and I would just say the words because you know, they're right there. And um, I remember after starting to date Susan and after, also I forgot marriage, she had to keep telling me. But um, notice, you have to notice the hymns. Many of the hymns, especially the ones that were translated from German into English, tell a story. You know, they're just like, if, often modern songs are just like, you know, all over the place. But these, they're, um, they tell a story, and you have to read them as such. So sometimes it's helpful to read hymns that, rather than just singing them so you get this gist. Also, punctuation. This is something that got me, not, not in this hymn, but in others. The stanza will end in a comma or a semicolon or a question mark. You, you know, you shouldn't, that's a verse you shouldn't stop at. I had to learn that. So when I was picking hymns, like, you know, we're going to sing these stanzas before the, you know, these, you know, you got to make sure you complete the thought <laughs> before. But anyway, the hymn writers, the good ones, tell stories, and uh, they use different types of things. And this one, there's a parallelism. I don't know if you've seen this before or heard this, but this, my, my wife pointed this out to me several years ago, and it just, like, you know, the hymn just kind of popped out at me after seeing this parallelism. So let's take a look at verse, stanza one. I walk in danger all the way. The thought shall never leave me that Satan who has marked his prey, me, is plotting to deceive me. This foe with hidden snares may seize me unawares. If I should fail to watch and pray, I walk in danger all the way. Now, let's just jump to stanza four. I walk with angels all the way. They shield me and befriend me, all Satan's power is held at bay. Remember we just sang about Satan trying to deceive me? Now it stands before Satan is, you know, be, we're being defended from him, held at bay. When heavenly hosts attend me, they are my sure defense, all fear and sorrow, hence, all unharmed. They may seize me unaware, you know, but unharmed by foes, do what they may. I walk with angels all the way. So stanza one and four kind of are a parallel. Or one says, 
kind of the danger is the resolution of that. Then let's go to stanza two. I pass through trials all the way with sin and ills contending. In patience, I must bear each day the cross of God's own sending. When in adversity, I know not where to flee. When storms of woe, my soul dismay. I, walk, I pass through trials all the way. Now let's go to stanza five. I walk with Jesus all the way. His guidance never fails me. I'll get lost. I don't know where to flee. And we just sang that. But now in stanza five, we're saying, his guidance never fails me. With, with, in his wounds, I find a stay where, when Satan's power assails me. And by his footsteps led, you know, this path, we flee with him. My path I safely tread. No evil leads my soul astray. I walk with Jesus all the way. And that says, no evil leads my soul astray. Um, if you go back into earlier in stanza two, um, uh, with sin and ills contending in patience, I bear, bear, bear each day the cross of God's own sending. When in adversity, I know not where to flee. When storms of woe, my soul dismay. And now no evil leads my soul astray. So you have stanzas two and five, kind of the contrasting that image. So we have one and two, and guess what? You have stanza three going with stanza six. And so let's take a look at that. And death pursues me all the way. Know where I rest securely. He comes by night. He comes by day. He takes his prey most surely. A failing breath and I in death's strong grass may lie to face eternity today as death pursues me all the way. Okay, death's pursuing. Now, what does verse 6 say? My walk is heavenward all the way. Await my soul tomorrow. You know, we talked about um, a sorrow and um, the uh, uh, eternity and things happening by night and day, but my soul await tomorrow when God's good healing shall allay or set aside or ease all suffering, sin, and sorrow. Then worldly pomp be gone. To heaven I now press on. For all the world I would not stay. My walk is heavenward all the way. So I would encourage you that if you just don't do stanzas one, just say, I'm going to stop there. Because, you know, do stanzas three. And then if you do stanza two, do stanza uh, one and four, two and uh, five and three and six. Do them in pairs as you're, you're going through them. Uh, I know this week it's for one, four, and five. The kids need to learn that, memorize, learn it by heart. Okay, that's it. But if you're going to be reading it, that's another thing you can do with this hymn is to see that uh, the parallels of one, two, and three to four, five, and six. Okay. Any comments, questions, observations? Yes, Wally. Um, this seems to correspond to the sermon. I think this morning. As far what? As I, I, I don't know where you get an idea like that. Oops. Okay. Yes, he's saying it, it corresponds to the sermon About today. About the worries and mm-hmm. the cares of the world mm-hmm. and so forth. That causes you to stand still. Mm-hmm. When you're walking, at least you're moving towards. Well, yeah, yeah, in but the sense yeah. That you're moving. but the, never it's never the same. The dangers change as we get older. You know, that path is different. When you don't have children, the dangers in life are different than when you have children. How many would agree with that? Yeah. And then life when you get grandchildren. 
<laughs> you know, and wherever, as we walk life's path, the danger still assaults us wherever we are. Um, I remember, you know, someone said, oh, I'm not troubled by my sin. Okay, then you, you're, you're living in a, your own delusion uh, and all. But yeah, this hymn, uh, and I'm going to just, you, you bring a good point up. While we're here, if you're no other comments on this one, if you turn to hymn 746. I quoted this in today's hymn, but those who are alert would probably know what I did. What did, uh, did anybody notice anything about this? I see one hand, another hand. Did Martin notice? Are you raising his hand back there? He just said, Randy, did you notice? I noticed a couple. Well, there's one particular thing I did for stanza one. I quoted it, but I did something different. The phrases are all in order. Everything is all in order. Okay, Nicola? I, I did that. This, I, I was going to quote it just as I said, no, I'm the pastor proclaiming God's word, and I wanted to change it more as a comfort and a blessing. And so I said, I'm going to do this. And so I decided. <laughs> so um, through Jesus' blood and merit, I am at peace with God. So I mean, you could do this as a parent. You know, you're, if you have a child going through some struggles, maybe you as a child have a parent facing life's end and things. Take this and say, through Jesus' blood merit, you are at peace with God. Speak that word of comfort to them. And so you can, and so, uh, so just to think about that, but yeah, I, um, I found, you know, this, I'm at peace with God, going back, you know, what then can daunt my spirit, however dark my road, we have that path again, my courage shall not fail me, for God is on my side, Though hell itself assail me, its rage I may deride. So, um, yeah, I just, I was wondering, I did that, I'm okay. I knew Susan would catch, probably kind of tweaked her ears, like, what, what are you doing there? And all. But uh, I thought maybe a few others might catch up. But you can do that too. Any of the hymns, if you see that, you go, I want to change the, the um, you know, it says we, maybe I want to change it to I, because it might bring more comfort to you. Or to change, you know, a we to you. You know, if you're speaking it to someone else's, you know, the you can do this because the hymn writer, the hymn writer wrote it for themselves to proclaim. You know, this is um, Simon Doc wrote this through Jesus. I am I, Simon Doc, am at peace with God, and he wants you to be able to say that too. And so to be able, but any hymn you can uh, do this when you see the pronouns, you can do that little flip flop and and maybe change the impact it has for each of you in your life. Any comments or questions about that? I don't know, if, or any disagreement that I should do that? <laughs> yes, Pastor Christensen. A much better way to change our pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent point there. Okay, but um, yeah. So the hymnody, and even I didn't get to the, the sermon hymn, the hymn of the day also brought up this. I mean, some very beautiful hymns uh, that we have that we can meditate upon and. I thank God for our wonderful Lutheran hymnody that we have been inheritors of. I, I'll, be, I'll be very blunt. I don't think any other denomination has the richness, the vast, the breadth of hymnody that we have to pull from in that. Any other questions or comments on the hymn of the week or this hymn? Okay, uh, we're going to go on to the verse of the week. James chapter 2, verse 10.
you know, it's kind of dark here. I need more light. I mean, as I, eyes are getting older, just a little more light shining down. I could probably use more enlightenment in my life, too, but right here, this t- it would help me. <laughs> um, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Let us say that together. Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. You notice how neat Mark Schneider did this. I think I, I, whenever I do this, I ask him to do it because his handwriting is so neat and, I, and it's easy to read. Although we need good markers. I had to, one of them died out on this here. So, but um, uh, this word whoever is inclusive. There's nobody that can exclude themselves from uh, this verse. You know, so, well, eh, that's not me. Whoever. It's, and so whoever shall keep the whole law. And this is um, the reference to the Old Testament, the word of God, uh, that who keeps, or another word for keep, and I know we've talked about this, is hold fast to. Treasure uh, is another one. Guard, cling to. Whoever shall uh, cling to the whole law or treasure it, you know, you know say they treasure it. Uh, so this word keep um, another whole is inclusive. It's not, well, you know, Moses, the prophet Moses, his words are fine, but you don't need to really listen to Elijah, <laughs> Daniel, eh, no. the whole law, the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of God's word is included in this uh, uh, word from the James uh, here. And uh, nothing is excluded. It's obedience in its entirety. And it's the same standard for all people. Uh, so we have this whole law and holding to it or clinging to it. And then it said, and yet stumble. This word stumble is used just a few times. The Greek word is just a few times in the New Testament. Uh, James uses it three of the five times. And it had, the context is always about sinning. You know, that stumble or sin or uh, break God's commandments of that, that the context, imply, context implies that. Uh, or to fall into unbelief. Uh, and, um, and we could say it, whoever shall keep the law, yet doesn't keep the law in one point. I mean, kind of that contrast we have going on here. Uh, so we have that uh, contrast. And it says, in one point, in a single point. You know, the, good, the young man says, I've kept the whole law. There's one thing you, that's missing. And for us, you know, that no matter how good we think we live our lives, because I'm sure there's more than one point we've said. I can say there's more than one point in the law I've sinned and stumbled in my lifetime and set here in one point. So this is just stabbing. You know, James is stabbing uh, there. You know, the law is pointed. Don't wiggle out of it. You can't do it. Um, and then he says, is guilty of all. So even breaking one makes us guilty of all. And um, I, one story that really brings this out for me is the story of David and Bathsheba. And you go through the story, well, he, he committed adultery. Well, and he murdered. But if you go through it, where it didn't be, the adultery wasn't the first. What was the first? It was the lusting for her, the coveting this woman. And the coveting led him to commit adultery, 
the, then what did he do? Then he had to cover up his sin. You know, so he had to lie about that. And then, so we have, we're just kind of going through here. And he's in the, God's, you know, he's not listening to God's word. He's not praying to God, obviously, he's, and all. And he uh, murders. And then, not only that, then he takes this war widow into his home. Isn't he a gracious monarch that he's taking care of this war widow? You know, he's trying to really make himself look good. He's trying to cover his sin. And yet, this one sin led to all others. And that's the same for us. We, there's, if even one point we break the law, it will lead us to others, to deception, misleading, and all sorts of other things here. And in the end, for David, what is his sin? It's not adultery. It's not murder. I mean, they're all there, but what is his sin? Unbelief or believing in himself. He didn't trust, believe in God above all things. He believed in David above all things because if David didn't stand, the kingdom would crumble. And so, but it's the same. For, I mean, we have that, and we look at, and I, the one thing I like about it, the heroes of the Christian church are failed or you know they have their failings you know you have um, Noah who gets drunk you know does you know whatever and, and you have Abraham who lies you you know you have all these things going on and yet what is it they live by faith in the Son of God who had, was merciful to them and forgives them their sins and the same is true here so we have this verse from James is guilty of all and for us, the contrast to that is the one who, for all, gave his life. There is the one who kept the law in its entirety, and that's Christ. And it's, he offered himself as the sacrifice for our sin on that cross. And so, yes, we are guilty, but that we have in Christ the one who is the remedy to our guilt, the one who forgives our sin. And like. Any questions on James chapter 2, verse 10? Additional comments and the like. Let us say it again together. Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Okay. And the psalm this week is Psalm 14. We'll take a look at that. There's something interesting about this psalm that no other psalm, but only one other psalm has in common. This psalm is unlike any other psalm except one other psalm. Psalm 50, Psalm 50, right? 53? It's a repeat. It's just an exact duplicate. I think it's that one. I got it. But... Um, Oh, I've got my, my brain here. I'm having my coffee. It's working. Uh, Psalm 53. Uh, the fool has said in his heart. There, so it's a, basically, there's like a few words tweaked there. But um, I think the point of this is there's an emphasis that, uh, about what is true foolishness. Not believing in God. 
and we are in a godless world, and what do we see all going on around us? A lot of foolishness, right? This is, I mean, like, people deciding that they're a man when they were born a woman. This is a foolishness in the sight of God. Uh, and um, we have a foolishness where we have political candidates and government officials who tout the glories of abortion. We're not talking about just hush-hush, but no, they're, they're glorifying abortion. This is foolishness in our society. And so, um, so the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, but they are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. Isn't that an abomination? What's going on in our world today? Um, and it's interesting is, for some, I don't know if you're, uh, I work in a secular workplace, and I do try to watch my language because uh, I, I want to get my paycheck and, and all that stuff and just keep my nose in my job. But there are these inclusivity, you know, that you have to be careful about what you say about others. And so, because if you don't acknowledge someone, what they think they are, uh, um, you can get in trouble. And uh, so, uh, certain workplaces are more into that than others. Some are just kind of, they don't care about, you know, that, but you have to be careful uh, in our world today uh, that, um, but they're corrupt. They do abominable deeds. You know, this is, this is what, you know, the, the go, those who assert God's truths are called liars and evil. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. I mean, this, have they no knowledge, all the evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? They are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. So even though the world thinks it's going, they are under God's wrath, uh, as long as they are continuing unbelief. You, should, you would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. And so we see here that even though the world may assault us and we may be troubled in our lives, there is one who is our refuge, the Lord. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, he's speaking the future. Yes, it does come out of Zion for us. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. And so... Uh, it starts off speaking of the realities of this world, the foolishness of this world, and yet for us, our refuge is the Lord. Our salvation is out of Zion, and he will restore your fortunes. How many of you are weaker than you were when you were younger? How many have a little more aches and pains than you were when you were younger? Bill's not, man, Bill, you're just going strong. <laughs> you didn't raise your hand, you're not getting any weaker, you're as strong as ever. I'm getting weaker, I know that. My eyes don't work as well. Uh, aches and pains take longer to heal. And uh, yet, I know these fortunes will change. There is the resurrection of the flesh when all this sinful condition will be gone. And we look forward to that day um, with longing eyes. Any questions on Psalm 14 for the week? Okay. Okay. Then... We'll move on into the stories for the week. Uh, this week um, is the Ten Commandments, the close of the commandments. And we have 
basically a restating of it. Um, I think the yeah the preschool have they're going to be saying the commandments themselves, uh, and then the older kids will have the conclusion of that the commandments or if in Exodus they begin the commandments. So um, we start with uh, a two. Uh, uh, God threatens, uh, his law threatens. and um, He comes down from Mount Sinai. He gives, the, this is the giving of the Ten Commandments to Israel, uh, and uh, they receive it. The earlier time, you know, that um, uh, this is, it, break, it breaks it because of their wickedness uh, and the like. And so we have this story uh, where God, law accuses, and this is the point of this story, um, and this is where we talk about the two tables of the law. Because there's two tables that he brought down uh, from this. Uh, and I thought it's very, that some of the finger of God writes them. I think that's rather fascinating imagery. Uh, anthropomorphism, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's uh, taking something and making it uh, a God, giving him this physical, manly, you know, human feature, the finger of God writing uh, this on. I think what you had, if I remember Ten Commandments, I mean, you just can't forget that one. <laughs> I mean, car, carved in the stone, you know, all that stuff, like the fire coming out. Um, so we have the God threatens with the law. And then we have a two-parter, um, the first part, the worship of the golden calf. And... Um, how long had Israel been out of Egypt at this time? Amy? Just a few weeks, months, maybe just a short time. I mean, they're already, they, they couldn't have forgotten the dead Egyptians. Well, maybe they did. Uh, the dead Egyptians on the shore walking through, um, even though, you know, the, I think Cecil built an excellent job at the passage of the Red Sea. I mean, the walls of water, I mean, Imagine that walking through these walls of water, no dam. I mean, you've walked across behind a dam, you go, oh, that's kind of big. You wonder, that's all a lot of water behind there. But here you're walking, it's a wall of water. And they walked through this safely and not, but dry ground, which is also very fast. How long does it take something to dry? I mean, you know that. I mean, farmers, you know how long the field takes to dry. Not overnight, <laughs> and unless you do have that big, strong east wind, whatever. But, but they walked through. And they got through safely, and the, and the Egyptians, in their arrogance, go in after, and the waters come and destroy the army of the Egyptians. The bodies of the Egyptians are dead on the shore. And just within days, weeks, they're complaining because they were hungry and it's miserable out in the desert. You parents never hear anybody whine or complain. I mean, never hear that anything. Uh, just imagine all the grown people doing this too. Um, and they were complaining, and uh, they call upon Aaron uh, to make them a golden calf. And I think it's rather interesting. Um, where did they get the gold from? Earrings. And so even the men wore earrings. I'm, like, I'm not a big fan of men wearing earrings. If there are any other men wearing them, uh, it's my opinion. But anyway, um, but they took these, they had enough gold earrings and gold to make a golden calf uh, for that. And he built it. And um, 
And he said, they said, this is our God who brought us out of Egypt. How, I mean, just like, no, it wasn't. Yet they were so foolish, foolish, to say that this was their God. And they would uh, come out of, and they would uh, say this. And uh, the, Moses asked the people to repent uh, and of their evil, and they uh, chose not to. And there was great suffering on that part of the people uh, with the, when God's wrath is then poured out on the, them in the later part of the chapter. But they, I think what's interesting, remember this, I found this one, how Aaron tells Moses this calf appeared. This is the, I was, do you, any of you remember that? It just topped out of the fire. <laughs> he just kind of, he just totally separated his responsibility. Oh, they made me do it. And, oh, the fire, and it came just out of the fire. You know, that, that he, was, uh, he was trying to separate himself from the guilt of the people, yet he was right. He did not, he knew, I mean, he was there before Pharaoh with Moses, with these miracles, these, uh, the plagues that were happening. And yet, and he witnessed all these things, the death of the firstborn, the Red Sea, and yet he himself was drawn in. He had more fear of the people than he had fear of God. And we see that even, uh, and yet what happens? Is, is Aaron destroyed and killed? No. He still made the high priest, that he's sanctified for his work. Um, we see here that God is indeed merciful, uh, even to Aaron later. We see that mercy as he spared Aaron uh, from that destruction. Um, then, uh, anything else here? I was just kind of highlighting what they're going to be going over. But we see that God's wrath is real. I think this is something we often forget. Um, we're in a, I was, think, I was reading, oh, I was reading the confessions about uni, universalists and Unitarians. You know, kind of a, not directly reference, but reference that we have. We're in a world that uh, people believe that God's really not going to punish. It doesn't matter what you believe. Everybody's going to heaven. It just doesn't matter. So you can just do whatever you want. And um, this is not the word. Uh, uh, the word of God is that Christ died for sin. You know, there's true sin in this world. There's evil, and Yet there's evil out there, but that evil is within us. And um, so God, God is going to punish. And he punished all sins in his son. And you know what you deserve because of your own sin. Just imagine that what all of you deserve individually, Christ received in totality for all of us. I think this is the, the abundance, you know, the, 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 the greatness of it. He is like us that he is man, yet he is so unlike us in that he could receive the punishment for all people and offer his life as a sacrifice for atonement for us. And so here, God's wrath is real. It was poured out on his son. And so to dismiss his son so, I don't even know the word for it, just dismiss him like this world is doing by saying it doesn't matter what you believe. Uh, for the there'll be a great shock for those who do not believe in Jesus. For at the judgment, they will see everything they've rejected. 
They will see the, the lamb who had given his life for them. And I believe that's going to be part of the torment of hell, is that they, you know, they'd be separation, separation from God, but also that the knowledge that, of who they rejected, that they, they will know that. Because that's, there's torment. Hell's torment. You can't be tormented if you don't have something to know that you're missing and you lost. And um, so that God's wrath is real for those who do not believe in Jesus. They will, they've rejected his sacrifice and they're telling God, punish me in, instead. Any questions on these three stories? And then we have the, third, the fourth one here for the week um, from Luke 23. And this is where um, Jesus is before Pilate. Um, and uh, Jesus is accused of misleading the people. Oh, Paul. Uh, there you are. Um, is it difficult for modern man to identify with things like uh, the worship of the golden calf? Uh, would the children of Israel seem uniformly stupid well, I think, for doing that sort of thing. Well, I mean, all the nations around them had, they would mold golden images and, and idols. I think it's foreign to us in our modern, because we don't have those type of things, you know. I mean, they would have images of, like, you know, the, the ram with the body of a person. They'd have all their gods molded and, and all. This is how they visioned their gods. But we do have our gods, in our in our age, yes, but but they manifest themselves differently. I would say, you know, like a cars can be a god to someone, uh, family can be a god to someone, but the problem is, so many people think of these. I don't have any, I don't have any false gods. I don't have any idols in my house, but they have idols in their heart, that, uh, and whatever it might be in this world. I think we have Joe and then uh, Philip here. Do you have any follow up on that or? Well, perhaps there's a similar case, perhaps not as severe with the author of the hymn, uh, Walk in Danger All the Way. Uh, he lived uh, in a time where there was considerable physical uh, danger. Uh, the 1700s in Europe was uh, a time of constant wars, for example, uh, uh, disease uh, leading to, to death and other things. Now today we might be concerned about the Dow Jones Industrial Average versus inflation uh, right now, but these are, are more abstract well, things. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I think we are shielded from that in our suburbia. Yes. You talk about the urban area. I mean, I go to driving to work now twice a week. I've almost got hit because somebody decided to run a red light well after it turned. I hear gunshots. On, on occasion. I mean, uh, I hear gunshots over at the shooting range, but you know, you, they're all over there. You know, the, and so we may not have the physical dangers that maybe the urban, but we have different dangers in our, we're, um, our dangers are things that want to take us away from God. And I think there's like the, the oh, sports we have, uh, whatever um, money, uh, cabins up north, all these things that take us away from Jesus are our dangers. And the devil doesn't necessarily have to come up and say, I'm going to stab you. He's going to tempt you and be kind. 
to you as well. That's a danger as well, that he misleads you. Do we think today's today are more fixable? Uh, is the Federal Reserve System going to take no, care of inflation? Okay, okay no, I'm not going to go there. That, that's, that's, our, that's the world and, and all. The world's not going to fix itself. That's, we know that. Let's get some other questions here. Here, Joseph. I think you're moving a little bit better tonight. I was told I almost fell over in the chancel this morning, so I got to watch myself. Just as the golden image of the Israelites, there was another golden image set up by Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, it was. Just, yeah, we, and we don't know exactly. It was just some big high thing. So each culture will do something uh, in this regards. I mean, even now we have some uh, Asian cultures that have little statues in their homes. Phil, yeah, just we may think of golden calves as very silly, but we sure do love gold. As you mentioned, money yeah, is yeah, we have our, a huge false god. And we think all the things that we have are possessions and things of that nature. And uh, the thing is, it's not because we have things does not mean they're evil in themselves. It's that the devil uses them to turn us away from Christ. There are many people, excuse me, that have great wealth and use that for the benefit of others and help others. Uh, there are others that use it for evil purposes. And, and, and it's, it's faith that drives people's uh, uh, work. Um, any other questions or comments on uh, this Jesus taking our place under the law? Okay. Okay, let's um, go on. Just the, um, the commandment. What, what does God say about all these commandments together? He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so we have here, uh, this introduces the text of, in, the, in the Exodus uh, of the Ten Commandments. One thing I'd like to point out, just also, um, you, some people ask, why do different church bodies have like these Ten Commandments numbered differently? Like the Baptists have it one way, the Lutherans have it, the Catholics have it, Eastern Orthodox have it, Jews have it. They number differently. And uh, there are actually in this section 12 statements, 12. And each of these has divided them differently and have different explanations for how they, um, the, we include uh, making graven images in the first our first commandment, whereas uh, other uh, church bodies uh, divide it out. We have coveting separated into, you know, coveting non-animate and inanimate, animate and inanimate uh, things. We separate coveting out, whereas they, they just say you shall not covet. And I try not to get into arguments about numbering because it misses the point. Because when you argue about numbering, what are you not discussing? The text, the, text. the t actual text. And so, don't don't let you know. Um, if I had to get in an argument with a, you know some Baptist commits that I would just take the commandments as they are and work with them from that point. Where you know, okay, they have covet. Well, it does say in the Bible there's two covets. You know, coveting objects and coveting people, things. You know. Uh, so you, you can separate those out on your own in your discussion. So don't fall into that trap that someone's trying to say you have uh, different numberings and all. 
Uh, yes, Nicola. Oh, a microphone's coming, so. I think one of the biggest issues with that is they tend to get caught up in that we do not have, you shall not have any graven images, yeah. because that turns into the sticking point yeah, more the, than the actual numbering. Well, actually, interesting, um, do you know a denomination that does have that separated out? Eastern Orthodox. They what, Susan? And they have images, even, I mean, these icons that we have on, I mean, they have all over. I mean, if you've been, if visited St. Sava's one time when the kids were homeschooled, it is filled with all sorts of, and they have, you shall make into me any graven image. They have that separated out, and yet they have crucifixes and all that. So that tradition tells us that that text is not about the cross, because the images are trying to make a cow into God. And we're saying, no, God became man. This is why we can accept, this is the image, because this is the love of God fulfilled for us. Uh, and the cross is a standard by which we know that our sins are forgiven. Philip. Uh, when it comes to graven images uh, and using them rightly, uh, Moses raised up the serpent. Yep, he has another one. He had the serpent that he raised up. Then who looked at it, you lived. And if you didn't look at it, you died. Now, the thing that gets me is there were people dying, and people saw people dying, and they still refused to look, and they died. <laughs> you know, that they, you know, that people refused to believe, and they would die. People died. Yes, Joseph. Okay. I could lean over real close. Yeah. And, but... I remember how ornate the... Uh, the... Tabernacle was built. Mm -hmm. So how can there Cherubims. be... Yeah, so mm -hmm. all these so-called graven images, and yet we have... Yeah. The graven image is, is God, like the Nebuchadnezzar's. Right. This is what you worship. This is your God. And that's not what we you know, uh, say. Of, this is just a you know, reminder of the mercy of God through these uh, saints of old. Yeah, what God has made holy, mm -hmm. let man not call common. Yes. Any other comments or questions... Pastor Christensen, you've been rather quiet except for your one comment earlier. Any comments or additions? I'm running up to the end of my preparation, so you have any, you have your classical ed conference uh, coming up. I'm so I'm talking about the word image. Okay. Um, the word image is something that we imagine mm -hmm. and that we are fabricating in our brains. And so to create a great image is from you might connect it with the imagination of our hearts when you think of creating an image for yourself. Uh, so it's not just an idol that's physically in front of you, but which is in your brain that you are imagining to be the thing that you fear, love, and trust in. So that's what mm -hmm. I was about. Okay. Susan has a comment. Mark, Susan, we're not going to get Pastor Christensen's comments on tape, so it'll, it'll work. Backing up. <laughs> it, following up on what Pastor Christensen said, I remember... Pastor Eckert said at one point that you can't make any graven images in the Old Testament because you don't know what Jesus looks like yet. And in the New Testament, we saw him. We saw what God looked like. And that's why there were icons from Luke and, and that all continued. Hmm. Pastor Eckert always had good things to say, always has good things to say there. Okay. Any other comments or observations? Let us close together the Lord's Prayer and I'll speak the benediction. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.